The Numinous Podcast with Carmen Spaniola. Hi there, and welcome to the Numinous Podcast, where we have interesting conversations with everyday folks about the mystery of life. I'm your host, Carmen Spaniola, joining you from the lands of the Lekwungen speaking peoples, the Songhees, and the Esquimalt First Nations colonially known as Victoria, BC, Canada. This is part five of my seven episode miniseries on planetary magic and propitiation. We began on a Sunday with Eliza Robertson talking about the sun. On Monday, we heard from Bronwyn Simons about moon magic. On Tuesday, I shared about my personal astrological magical practice and how I relate with the planet Mars. And on Wednesday, the day of Mercury, uh, it was presented to us by Thea Anderson. Now, today, on a Thursday, Meg Keane is here to expand our understanding of Jupiter. Meg is a truly lovely and warm person. She's an astrologer and herbalist. She connects soil and sky. Many of her teachers are people I've also followed and admired for a long time. And she really caught my attention with a blog post she wrote fairly recently, a really excellent post on Jupiter and being too much. Even the references at the bottom of that blog post, she's so generous with. So I'll definitely link to that in the show notes, but I just think it's, it's like very emblematic of her. She is a very generous energy. So for now, without further ado, I think you'll see why she's so perfect to talk about this day. I'm delighted to welcome Meg. Enjoy the show. So Meg, welcome to the show. So exciting to have you here. And I'm really curious to hear how you answer the first question, which is always, what identities do you lead with? Mm -hmm. Um, well, first, just thanks for having me here. I'm so excited to have this conversation and um, identities I lead with. Um, I'm a writer. That's been a hard one to own, but I, I can say it now. I'm a writer. Um, I'm also a diviner generally, an astrologer specifically, and I'm an herbalist. And I am always trying to live up to the word animist. I feel like it's a constant um finding new ways in which I am not doing that, but then getting the joy of moving into a deeper relationship with that experience. So those are, those are my main words. Mm, I really relate to that, that piece of uh, discovering all the ways in which I'm not living up to my animist principles and ideals, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's a nice way of looking at it. It's like, okay, this is an opportunity for me to consider. I actually had this Okay, I'm sidebarring already, but I had this really great teaching from one of the questers when I was leading Quest, and she was talking about a talismanic object she made from plastic. And she said, you know, in the future, in like future collapse times, people will be foraging plastic. And I hope they remember that this isn't just some synthetic man-made material, that this comes from the bones of dinosaurs. And I hope they remember dinosaurs. And I was like, oh yeah, there's, there's nothing that mm -hmm. I come in contact with that doesn't have some kind of, you know, ancient origin on this earth. And so it, it was an opportunity to deepen that animistic impulse I, that I really learned a lot from. It's very cool to know you, you relate to that term as well. 
I really do. And I, I think what you're bringing up about plastic is also like, it's one thing to feel into the aliveness of what we call nature, but to look at something that we maybe are embarrassed by that like is so clearly human, you know, that's something that like shouldn't be here. It's hard to remember that there's nothing, there's literally nothing here that isn't of the earth. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's poignant. It doesn't, um, doesn't always feel like that, but I, I, it is, it is a fact. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, we're here to talk about Jupiter. Mm -hmm. Jupiter is my guy in the sky. I'm mm -hmm. Pisces. It's my ascendant. I'm Pisces rising. So my understanding is that means that Jupiter basically rules my chart. I feel affinity, even though for a long time, I couldn't quite I couldn't quite grasp Jupiter without comparing Jupiter to something else. Like I was like, mm -hmm. it's like the sun, but gaseous. It's like, you know, my spiritual teacher, but kind of more expansive and not hierarchical. It's kind of like, like I, I, I feel like maybe that also is just one of the initial relationships, even as little children learning about the planets as we go, oh, Jupiter, biggest you know, like, mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. there's always kind of like this relativism or something or a comparison with Jupiter. And as I've gotten more into relationship, I've realized, oh, that actually plays into even mm, like comparison and noticing oneself in relationship to other people. I have found a kind of Jupiterian occupation that mm. it's like Jupiter has helped me be like, just be you. Just mm -hmm. relax. So I'm I'm very interested to hear what you have to say about Jupiter. So why don't you just open up with what does Jupiter represent in astrology? What does it rule or relate to? Yeah. Um I'm I'm still sort of like stuck on what you just said and the way in which it is a Jupiterian experience. Like I think one of the things that Jupiter does is um, celebrate who we are, but also puts us in a larger context. So it's both the bigness and also like, just be you. It's cool. Don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> I think Jupiter, one of the hardest things about Jupiter is the planet's emphasis on ease and not um, fighting against yourself. I think that there is, um, you know, I think sometimes about Jupiter as sort of like a hype guy, like someone who's like always believing in you and pushing you forward, even when you don't think you can do it. Um, but part of that is about trust and a kind of, uh, a kind of trust that is not, is includes me trusting you, but is also a kind of capital T trust. Mm. and not necessarily having to effort the stuff that we're trying to do or that we feel like we might be here to do, um, which sounds nice, but it's hard. <laughs> and um, I also think that that's tied to the fact that Jupiter is about so many things. I'm about to say a lot of words. Friendship, alliances, companionship, which can be sexual and or platonic Jupiter in general is quite queer um collective triumph collective wealth and abundance civic life 
generosity, hospitality, mirth, liberation, ease, the release from bonds, which is the liberatory piece, wisdom, discernment, growth, equitable exchange. I think about Jupiter with like gift economies. Mm -hmm. Um, Oaths are huge for Jupiter as well. Like oath-making and keeping oaths. mm -hmm. And I think also oath as like a, what if our responsibility to each other wasn't an obligation, but it was a joy? Mm. What if it was like how we make meaning isn't what's my individual purpose, but like, what do I, how do I fit into this larger thing with you? Um, and the, the meaning we get from being inside of a collective, from culture making, from cosmic context, this contexting and like reaching for all of it, this holistic approach is a very Jupiter thing. And I know people can't see me, but I do the same physical gesture that looks kind of like a gathering up of things that Mm. is my Jupiter, my Jupiter gesture that I always am doing whenever I talk about that planet. Um, but I'll stop there for a moment. And, and I'm wondering if any of that feels familiar to you, or if that feels newer for Jupiter, is any of it surprising? Well, the oath making part is not surprising, but a a different kind of lens. I have a relationship with oath making as one of the days of Yuletide. Um, so when we think about new year's resolutions, I actually think about that as like the oath making day is like, to Mm. what do I give my devotion to what will I pledge my integrity, you know? And so I think, oh, that's like a very Jupiterian moment then. Um, So that's a, a, a new lens that I really love. Everything about like expansiveness and maintaining the spiritual focus of whatever your plans are or whatever Mm -hmm. we are doing. Like it, it doesn't, it's not really beneficial if it's not benefiting all of us, you know, and keeping that as, um, kind of the overlighting principle of my life path, that all feels very, very resonant. I hadn't really thought of Jupiter and friendships, Mm. um, but, but that seems like an interesting way. Like how might you, invite Jupiter to overlight a friendship. Mm. I think Jupiter is already in every friendship. Um, Mm. I think about like that specific feeling you have when you hear your friend laugh, like that to me is Jupiter. Um, How we are companions to each other, you know, like how, who, who do you walk with? That's Mm. you experiencing Jupiter on some level. Um, I think that Jupiter's idea of support and um encouragement Mm -hmm. is also friendship oriented that jupiter is a kind of capital f friend to us all Mm -hmm. um with the expansion piece i'll also say i think um that word used to make it really hard for me to understand what jupiter was about because i felt like it was just this embiggening for its own sake, this like <laughs> constant movement forward, which made me think about growth in kind of negative connotations. I might, I don't think I'm fully alone in this, but I don't know if you relate. It's like when I think about sort of endless growth, sometimes I think about like stuff in capitalism or I think about empire or something. Mm-hmm. And 
what I learned by looking at more traditional astrological significations of Jupiter, and also I would say specifically from a lecture that I listened to by Austin Kopic um, called Karen Feeding of the Birth Chart. It's great. Um, but he pointed out that Jupiter is really about balance and the kind of growth that Jupiter offers is about stability, which don't always seem like they go together. Like, don't you feel kind of out of sorts when you're growing and changing? Like it doesn't mm. feel stabilizing, but the idea is that you are including more of the whole, whether that's more of yourself into your own idea of who you are or more of other people when you say us, you know, like this, mm. this um, growth that is probably feels on the human level destabilizing initially, but is for the sake of more capacity for more inclusion, um, for a bigger vision, you know? And so, and if we stay the same size, we're actually usually going to stagnate. Like that's not stable. It just feels safe. Um, mm. and so that's the kind of push that I think Jupiter's expansiveness does. And that's also like what I hope good friendships do mm -hmm. is sort of like build new capacities for being with more of the world, you know, and that it like spirals outward in some way. Um, mm -hmm. So that's some of the overlap I see between some of those significations. But then there is maybe that Jupiterian quality of like bigness and, and there is too muchness, right? Like sometimes, mm -hmm. you know, when we think of say um, Jupiter can be associated with wealth and abundance, but it can also be like overspending or maybe getting, you know, yeah, overextended. Mm -hmm. So what would you share about that quality with like, I don't, I don't know if you'd call it like Jupiter unchecked, but <laughs> like not tracking, you know, that like mm -hmm. that it is about balance. Yeah, I think um, Jupiter's natural tendency is actually toward balance and harmony um, and that its way of growing creates more balance actually. And not balance like moderation, not like let's find the middle of the road, but more like, again, including more into the whole. Um, I think, however, that in like human expressions of Jupiter, sometimes Jupiter unchecked can look like, oh, like belief without discernment, mm. wanting to believe so badly that you ignore everything that doesn't fit what you're saying um, mm. or what you're wanting to believe. It can also look like excess. But something that I talk to clients about a lot is like, if there, I think that where Jupiter is in the chart can show us where we experience ourselves or hear from others that we're too much mm. and, um, or we worry that we're too much. And mm -hmm. I spent a lot of time thinking about this and where I landed was like, well, too much for what? And that got me back to this idea of Jupiter and the capacity piece and like a container, like we anything that is too much, it's not just the thing inherently, it's also whatever contains it. There's a mismatch between the two things. So in order to ask a more Jupiter holistic question, it's not just, it's the thing is at, as somehow in excess, I'm too much. They're a lot. It's not necessarily, that's not a complete thought. It's like mm. for what I can offer right now to them, 
for this particular task that I've asked them to do for my own emotional toolkit at this moment. Like it's, so I think part of being generous about these questions of excess is to take in a, a slightly more bird's eye view perspective, which these are all Jupiter moves anyway. I think Jupiter, right. in some ways, a Jupiter strategy balances Jupiter. There are also other <laughs> planets that balance Jupiter quite well as well, but that's that's my, that's like what I like to talk about when it comes to Jupiter, because I think um, the benefics, Jupiter and Venus, when like we try to understand them how they act when they're sort of like being bad or something is to say it's like too much of a good thing. And I think it's like a little more interesting than that. So that's my, that's my take. Oh, I love that idea that it's like, maybe the container isn't, it's not even that it's not quite right, but that there's a mismatch Mm -hmm. right now. That seems really fair. And that to use a Jupiter move, like being more generous or being more compassionate, that, that feels like a really nice antidote. So what's your personal relationship with Jupiter like? Um, complicated. Um, (laughs) well, it, what it was complicated. I think now it's just, it's mostly joy. And then me realizing that there's like how uncomfortable I am with certain kinds of growing. Um, Mm. a lot of what I write about is personal experience also. Um, so a long piece on my website about Jupiter and being too much is because I feel like I'm too much sometimes. This is all mm. connected. Um, but when I first started a planetary devotion practice with Jupiter, I was really uncomfortable about it. And I think it's because I was over correlating the gas giant up in the heavens with the god Zeus, who... Oh. It's a tough hang at best. Zeus is rough. Um, <laughs> and I have new, new, more um, fruitful takes on Zeus than I used to have, which also helps. But also the the myths we find of gods who are sort of key to the planets, I think are really interesting faces of the planets in ways that we've tried to understand them or that they sort of express themselves, but they're not exact. And there's so much more to the planet than I think there is to the way that we tend to talk about Zeus. So getting kind of putting a little bit of space between them went a really long way and including also like more stories um, Mm. or examples in nature is actually really what shifted it for me is just seeing Jupiter's epiphany as thunderstorms made a huge difference for me too. Mm -mm. Mm, that's so interesting because yes, of course we, we, um, strong correlation between Mm -hmm. Zeus to Jupiter to Thursday, that kind of thing, (laughs) but, but, but hearing you say that actually helps me see the charm of Zeus because my relationship with Jupiter is that it's so like charming and enchanting and kind of like. I don't know. For me, it's, it's always felt, I I guess a little like being in love, or maybe it is that gaseous, like, Ooh, what is happening? It's like so enveloping and so all encompassing. And then when you read the myths about Zeus, I'm like, what an asshole, like, why, what is the deal? Like, where's the charm? There's no, like, there's not, there's not even anything kind of, 
even vaguely, I don't know, like mercurially, you know, charming about him. He's just like, so, so such a brute. But mm-hmm. when you say it that way, I go, oh, but there is something so alluring about Jupiter. And so I can kind of imagine versions of, of the myths of Zeus, where there is a bit of a like larger than life charisma or something yeah. that I just never hear. What, what, how did you shift in your perspective um, with Zeus or like, what, what were you bringing? What were the myths that you were associating with Jupiter and how did that change more specifically? Uh well, almost all of the myths that I knew about Zeus were uh, pretty violent. And I think part of that is because for a lot of reasons, I mean, it's we're talking about a culture that's pretty patriarchal, no matter how much I love the myths that come out of it, we can't ignore the context. And these are also often slave societies. Like it's not, it's dangerous for us to romanticize or, um, patron like be patronizing to the past I think both Mm. are um easy traps to fall into and also Zeus as like the like the king of the gods I think got scooped up for purposes of describing and excusing empire so there's Mm. that too um but there are a couple of stories where he's sort of nice um he seems to be in a fairly consensual relationship when he has his experience with Europa. His experience with Semele is one of my favorites, even though she ends up dead. Um, But it was, I think the more that I shifted my understanding of, okay, these myths are sometimes, especially in, at least like embedded in them is people relating to nature as much as they're relating to the spirit world. And like, you can't separate the two. So if Mm -hmm. I just go, can I go straight to thunderstorms and see how that feels? Mm -hmm. And when I did that, I remember like waking up in the middle of the night, hearing the thunder and the lightning while seeing the lightning and hearing the thunder. And Mm -hmm. It made me think about like how scary it is, like how much awe I feel in the midst of that rumble and that crash and that feeling of something so much bigger than me Mm. and that being a kind of divine experience. And when I thought about the two signs that Jupiter is responsible for, we have the fire and illumination of Sagittarius and the fertile rains of Pisces. So we have this, like the two pieces of a thunderstorm. And I also think about Zeus and for all of his um, exploits, um, there is a fertility story happening there about sky gods and the relationship with the earth. And um, I think it's, helpful to imagine um these the fact that like okay so just to back up a little bit the word Zeus it's hard to trace exactly what it means it means god but it also means um the moment of a lightening up or like the dynamic movement of the sky 
And it also has to do with, so therefore weather and atmosphere, but also the moment of illumination, the, the kind of God is here moment. Mm. The gods are here. The spirit is here. There is meaning in this moment. And mm. that is a Jupiter experience, you know, like for all of the Zeus myths, that, that little bit really connected it for me. And the Semele myth ends with her asking her lover to, who is Zeus, to please show me yourself the way you show yourself to Hera. Mm. And he's bound by oath. We're back to oaths again. And so he does. And of course she's incinerated. Mm. Um, but what I like about that story, in addition to the fact that he seems to actually, he doesn't like doing that. He has affection for her, but mm -hmm. it's also that her, it's like Semele's deep desire to see the divine mm. was worth the risk to her. And I think that sometimes Jupiter stirs in us. And maybe this is some of like the charm that you feel is this desirousness for the divine, this desirousness mm -hmm. for something bigger than us, for our connection to um, everything else that we're tied to. So mm -hmm. um, I hope I answered the question. I feel like I went off mm -hmm. for a while, but. No, that's, that's fantastic. Thank you. Um, so how do you propitiate uh <laughs> Jupiter how do how do how do you woo them mm -hmm. um so at this point in my relationship with Jupiter I do a lot of um listening um and noticing when Jupiter feels present especially present um but in a more step-by-step -step formal way not that I really have formal practices but um I often make tea um for both of us. So I'll make a cup of uh, tea that Jupiter is stewarding that, that loves Jupiter back. So lemon balm usually, or agrimony or sage are some of my go-tos and I'll make a cup for me and a cup for them and sit at an altar space or just like in a chair and leave one out for Jupiter. And, um, sometimes I'll say the Orphic hymn, but honestly, less and less these days. And usually there's a candle lit, sometimes an offering besides the tea, um, maybe some incense and, um, occasionally a, a while back, Jupiter, I asked Jupiter what he would like in addition to like tea or wine. And, um, he asked for butter. So I do that sometimes. Um, and I often turn to Jupiter when I'm feeling a lot of doubt mm -hmm. um, or my head is spinning, like the Mercury parts of me are on overdrive. And mm -hmm. I find that Jupiter can help uh, stabilize by giving me more context and mm -hmm. helping me not feel like I'm again to like the companion piece that I'm actually not as alone as I feel like I am when I'm stressed out. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's that's beautiful. And thank you for bringing up that you can just ask, right? So, mm -hmm. I mean, I think people, it's, I, I do think it's very useful to look at associations and correspondences, even attributions to different planets, but um, being able to just sit with a cup of tea, you know, this humble offering, I think you'll like this. I like this. I think you'll like this. And is there 
anything else that you would like that that's like a very legitimate and I think deep devotional practice to really be in listening and to really trust that I guess and you know big t trust that yeah this this is a real relationship that you're cultivating and I think that's really beautiful I found um a lot of stability in drawing the sigil like drawing mm-hmm. the symbol and maybe it's because the symbol for Jupiter kind of has almost like a four quality and yes. the number mm-hmm. four is very stable <laughs> and it's just and like this Jupiter's number as well yeah oh really yeah so mm-hmm. like it's just that I found um having that on my altar or like putting writing it on a post-it and putting that you know the offering on top of it just felt like a very um a nice container. And that I think is something people could, could do as well. If somebody's like, gosh, it's so many things. It's so much, you can really focus and make it like quite simple. Um, and yeah, every, everybody, I think that, as you said, like the moves to connect with Jupiter are Jupiterian, like being generous with ourselves and Mm -hmm. compassionate and, you know, including many of our different expressions is Jupiterian. So that kind of is the work in a way, wouldn't you say? I definitely would. And I would also say it kind of depends too on what parts of Jupiter feel easiest to you and what parts feel hardest to you. Like for me, um, just sort of like letting myself have fun is not (laughs) easy for a lot of reasons that are clear in my chart also. Um, And so there have been days when Jupiter has kind of gone to do more of like an ultra thing and I can feel, it just feels kind of not quite right for some reason. And I feel moved just to like put on music really loudly. And like, <laughs> that's, that's my offering. Um, and it's like, and it's my slow loosening of the limbs to Jupiter. I also think like noticing what you already do in your life that feels like Jupiter is present and like noticing that and then making that the offering. Like it doesn't have to be this thing that you are sacrificing per se. I mean, it's nice. It's a good gesture to like give something away. It's a very Jupiter generosity, um, hospitality type of thing, like to be a good host if you're inviting the planet to spend some time with you. But I also think that you know, if you're participating in like collective action, which is a very Mm -hmm. Jupiter thing, if you are um, trying to make it so that you call your friends more, like that can Mm -hmm. be a Jupiter thing. If you are trying to notice when your mind is going, what if, what if, but what if, but what if, and then notice when that happens and then invite Jupiter into the conversation where you might hear, yeah, but what if it goes great? (laughs) You know, and like (laughs) what kind of vulnerability and discomfort would it take to push through, to dare, to believe, to trust, to, to see how it goes, um, is also a Jupiterian offering, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When I was beginning my planetary magic practice, I, because I'm self-employed, I can arrange my work schedule the way that I want. (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. you know, I'd be like, it's writing Wednesdays, it's finance Fridays. It's like those kinds of things. But, um, Thursdays was the day when I would have in my calendar, like check in on your friends. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. then I would like 
maybe choose that day, like what, you know, whatever I would look it up and see what Jupiter's hour was that day. And then I would send a bunch of texts and be like, this is when I'm just going to like have a coffee or like, I'm just going to chill in bed for a little bit. And I'm going to put stuff out there with just some, you know, just checking in, how are things and see what bounces back. And I have this time and it's just a chance to send it out to the collective. Like, I love you. I'm thinking of you, that kind of thing. So Mm -hmm. I think that's also like a thing that people can think about doing is like, how might you organize your life so that it's, it's easy for you to remember this, this, um, devotional relationship you want to be in. So do you have certain times and maybe it's not just of the week, but it could be like of the year or, or is there certain stuff in your chart where you're like, Ooh, Jupiter is hanging out. And I really want to like, I I want to make sure that I give special attention to that time. Yeah. Um, so I used to do, I, I, I noticed the planetary days and I often like do something around that planet, whether it's like you know, reading more about them or spending time with them with tea or, um, you know, I find that learning about the plants that they are responsible for, those plants become such amazing astrology teachers, like learning about a plant that is stewarded by Venus or Mercury. If you don't, if you're like, I don't get Mercury, for example, like learning about Mercury's plants will tell you a lot about Mercury. They're really, really good at that. So um, spending time with those plants, not just like reading about them, although I do both. Um, all of these things, like I, I do often align with the planetary day, but also I'm a really, I have a lot of planets and mutable signs, like schedules aren't great for me. I, I need to like always be changing stuff up. And so um, if planetary days and hours work for you, I, I think like and I don't, I don't just mean you, I mean, anyone listening to this, like, I think people should go for it. It is potent. It's, it's meaningful. And I also think that, um, letting it be a little loose and letting your inspiration take you somewhere is just as important. And if you're, you know, obsessed with the moon right now, you don't have to wait till Monday to do moon <laughs> stuff. Um, she's always here. And also, by the way, if I mention pronouns of planets, I don't actually believe they have pronouns. Like I just have some that feel comfortable to me based on my relationship with the planets, but I, 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 yeah, hold, hold those loosely. Mm. Um, but yeah. So, um, I, in terms of like noticing though, um, there's something called annual perfections in astrology where one planet is in charge of the year for you. So when I'm in a Jupiter year, it's Jupiter, Jupiter all the time. Mm. Um, every, we say 12, but it's 11.9 ish years. Mm -hmm. Uh, Jupiter returns to where it was when you were born. And I am currently in that period. So I've been thinking Mm -hmm. about Jupiter a lot. So there, Mm -hmm. there are other sort of ways of timing things that make the planet feel a little closer. And that Mm -hmm. is a, an opportunity for deeper relationship, but just like the planetary hours and days, I don't think you have to wait for that. If you feel called to something, if a planet comes knocking, you don't have to say like, wait for your, wait for your annual perfection. I'll get to you. <laughs> we have an yeah. appointment. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not for a while. So you've mentioned lemon balm, agrimony. Mm-hmm. What, what are some of the other plants that really helped you connect with Jupiter? Um, dandelion. Mm-hmm. Dandelion. Um, the burdock is another, there's like, 
there's a association, a lot of Jupiter's plants help us digest food in ways that also support our nervous system because there's those things are so connected and also um, support the liver in some way, which is the largest organ besides our skin in the body. And that's also governed by Jupiter. So there's like a processing and a redistributing nature to the liver that is also quite Jupiterian. Um, and so those plants, in terms of certain kinds of grounding down, stabilizing taproot stuff, but also there's a, a certain kind of um, joyful insistence, particularly of dandelion that I think is really Jupiterian. And Jupiter is also as like an air, a planet associated with the element of air. Um, there's a seed dispersal thing mm. that has to do with Jupiter as well. This kind of fertility on the wind. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's amazing. I love that. And what you said about the liver is interesting. It's reminding me of the myth of uh, Prometheus mm-hmm. and Zeus again. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. folks who don't remember, Prometheus stole fire um, from Zeus, from the gods and gave it to humans. So essentially gave illumination, spiritual illumination to humans, very kind of Jupiterian. But then here comes Zeus in the form of an eagle and persecutes Prometheus by hanging him, chaining him to this rock upside down and coming every night and eating uh, part of his liver, which of course the liver would regenerate and come back. So he had like all these years of suffering, um, but it was for the sake of uh, greater spiritual um, and, and, uh, you know, other forms of advancement for humankind. So there's lots of Jupiterian themes in that Mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, Are there other stories or aspects of Jupiter that you feel like you'd be remiss if people, if you didn't mention? Probably, um, something my good friend, Kristen Mathis has been talking about and mentioned to me recently. Um, if you, if you're listening to this and you care about uh, planetary devotion and uh, ancient Mediterranean magic and oh, really good queer friendly translation work. Check out Kristen Mathis's work. Um, but Kristen was sharing with me that Zeus's name used to be um, interchangeable with a certain version of Aphrodite, which is surprising um, to me. But it's not actually because um, this is a cosmos binding force like a like a bring like bring a bringing together this kind of magnetic pull inward this like uh chain of connection that is why we're all connected to each other mm-hmm. and so that's one of the faces of zeus is this um i i want to say it's like it's love but it's not i don't think it's love in a right now culturally specific way of saying that word i think it's Mm. significantly bigger than anything that i could articulate um and i think that is such a delicious thing to think about and it actually ties to babylonian tradition where the god that's keyed to jupiter marduk which i may not be pronouncing correctly um so marduk is the one like the the god who defeats is a word I have a hard time saying because I can't imagine anyone defeating Tiamat, but Marduk defeats Tiamat, who's this primordial 
creative, monstrous chaos creature. Um, most of our monsters are her children. And um, he defeats her and out of her body, he makes the world we know, makes the heavens and the earth and binds them together mm. and sort of orders the cosmos. So it's sort of Marduk is order and Tiamat is chaos. And while I'm often on the side of monsters, I understand that if I lived in absolute chaos, I would wish mm. for a little bit of Marduk. So there's something here about um, harmony and collectiveness and order, but order that isn't like oppressive law and order, which is what I think of when I think of that word now, mm. that I think is part of the Jupiter story too. Mm -hmm. That makes sense to me. I think, I don't know if this was on... Um, the astrology podcast, is that Austin Coppock's po podcast or no, that's Chris, Chris Brennan's podcast, but Austin's on a lot. Okay. All right. Chris yeah. Brennan's podcast. <laughs> I feel like I may have heard them in conversation about, um, Jupiter as like a lesser key of the sun and mm. that, you know, we happen to all be, um, you know, uh, rotating around our sun, but if something happened or happens differently with Jupiter and it could like, boom, become a star, you know, it, it's, it's like the, the potential for that next level. It's like the level just below the level of ultimate, mm -hmm. um, existence or inclusion or illumination. And so I'm sort of like hearing what you're saying through that lens of like, Jupiter has this quality it, it, it has a gravitational pull that like wants to bring in a lot of things and in, impacts a lot of things. And yet our job here as humans is to like, how do we translate that into our collective experience here on earth right now? And yeah, it's a pretty inclusive, pretty big, but inclusive vision. Mm -hmm. So, okay. We've talked about different ways that different things that Jupiter rules I want to lead us to the last question, which is about um, how can Jupiter support us in our grief and our rage? Mm -hmm. But even sort of prior to that question, you mentioned love, right? This expansive, maybe agape isn't even a big enough word, but like that kind of love. So there must also be other times that are key where you would be like, oh, if I was going through this in my life, I would yeah. be calling in Jupiter. So are there some times like that, that you're like, Hey, if you're going through this, Jupiter's good. And then can you talk to us about how Jupiter can support us in times of grief and rage? Yeah. Um, so as I mentioned before, like my, when I've been in like deep doubt, Jupiter is who I throw myself in front of. Um, mm -hmm. I think also feeling like um, this might seem counterintuitive, but I sometimes think feeling overwhelmed um, mm -hmm. is both a, an experience of Jupiter, but like this, this more, more, more thing. But I also think because Jupiter is good at meaning making, it's helpful for prioritizing. So like, what are you really trying to do? What is the most important thing? What's the most meaningful contribution? What is the, when I, when like, when you feel the right size, not too small, not too big in this collective space, what kind of, you know, and, and the other thing is, is that Jupiter is um, really, really supportive for when you feel like you can't imagine options like despair. Mm. 
which so much comes from like I think like not like not having a reason to imagine that there are other options Mm. and so which is understandable and sometimes they're like it really feels like there aren't any um but Jupiter usually has a broad-mindedness and also again that that uh, that loneliness I think Jupiter is also really beautiful in those moments Jupiter is almost always a good idea um Mm. I also um I'm thinking about um, this isn't necessarily Jupiter as like a remedy, but just Jupiter, like feeling Jupiter, like just go into a forest, like the feeling of like being in a, you're always in an ecosystem, but it's, it's sometimes it's easier for it to be palpable. Mm. That kind of worlding is a very Jupiter experience like things that appear to be individual but you know all those trees are talking to each other <laughs> um and that's really where we're living is I'm in something like that and such certain landscapes can sometimes help us feel that even though it's it's always true mm. um those are the things that come to mind first beautiful, mm-hmm. beautiful. how about grief and rage then how could jupiter help mm-hmm. um I think Jupiter is likely going to encourage us to find our people in those moments, which sometimes our grief enrages about how there aren't people or how it Mm -hmm. feels like there aren't people. So that can feel frustrating. Um, But because, so Jupiter, every planet is said to rejoice in a particular house in a chart and, um, Jupiter rejoices in the 11th house, which is about hope and vision, but particularly the people who share hope and vision with you or close enough to collaborate, close enough to come together. And it's the people who share in joy and grief and rage with you. There's a collectiveness to that. There's like a going into a space where you can you really, you really are like making culture. You're not accepting necessarily what already is. You know that every choice you make is a culture-making act. It's a meaning-making act. And, you, and it means, it doesn't mean more when you do it with other people. You're always doing it with other people, but but acknowledging that and, and coming together to do it, I think is a Jupiter act. Um, and there is, um, I think, moving to Jupiter in grief and rage can almost feel pain, like extra painful because it's like someone telling you, we'll just have faith, but it'll like find where the gratitude is like, and it's like, oh my God, get out of here. Like, are you kidding me? Um, but Jupiter isn't naive. It's not, it's not about, um, bypassing or hope for hope's sake it's really like we find our fortitude in each other Mm. and having the imagination to propel us into another kind of way of being together is an essential component to any kind of I'm with with rage I'm thinking specifically of like collective rage like Mm. advocacy and um actions and creating like parallel systems for each other, you know? And so, um, 
And I also think if action doesn't feel accessible right now, Jupiter can help us sort of just lay back in our feelings and, Mm -hmm. and, um, know that we're caught by something, even if we Mm -hmm. can't, you know, that there's something, there is that cosmic holding thing that's got you, Mm -hmm. um, in the meantime. And I would also say, I mean, we talked about wooing the the planet and I would be remiss not to mention planetary charity where you redistribute resources in the name of the planet. And some, speaking of like rage and grief, I think some really good Jupiter things, this planet of the releasing of bonds and liberation would be like bail funds, reparations, mutual aid in general. Um, Jupiter's in Taurus right now. So things around the ecology, our environments, um, the people who are wisdom carriers of our land also, food sovereignty stuff. Um, I think these are all ways to, and if it's not like planetary charity as money, it could be planetary charity as volunteering your time, um, learning about these things is another way to connect to Jupiter. And I think sometimes raging grief comes from feeling helpless. So um, those are some ways to feel like there's a, a place to to start. Um, but I, I think there's a lot that Jupiter can offer in those moments, but it probably won't feel like immediately. Sometimes it feels like you're just being held and it's a hug. And sometimes it's a little bit of like a, a push out into the world. So it, it might depend on the circumstance, but. Mm. Fabulous ideas. And you mentioned it earlier in the hour that like Jupiter is a very queer planet. And mm-hmm. so maybe the planetary charity could also just like dropping that in there that it could be about somehow advocating or, you know, agitating or organizing mm-hmm. around all the anti-trans and anti-LGBTQIA2 plus um, legislation that's coming out. It could be, oh, yeah. you know, uh, supporting and amplifying um drag story hours, that kind of thing mm-hmm. that I can think mm-hmm. of so many ways, um, now that you bring that up, that that could be a Jupiterian act. So thank you, Meg, for deepening my understanding. I can feel the relationship with Jupiter growing with mm-hmm. ideas that I've had. And thank you so much for sharing your wisdom. It's been a true delight. I appreciate you being on the show. I appreciate it so much. This was such a fun conversation. I mean, who doesn't like to talk about Jupiter? But um, thank you for being such a wonderful host. We love her, right? Just have such greater appreciation for Jupiter. And I already had a ton. I love it when a teacher just expands my understanding and relationship in like such a short period of time. Thank you, Meg. To go deeper with your astro magic, consider getting a plant and planet reading from Meg. It's a two session package with email support for a month where she guides you on a deep dive with one of the seven traditional planets, something significant in your chart, and then a plant based on your specific chart and what comes out of that first session with her. So good. You should do it. You should give yourself that gift. You'll find all the links to Meg's website and Instagram in the show notes at numinouspodcast.com. This episode's listener shout out is to Laura, who left a review last winter on amazon.ca. This is an excerpt that 
I felt really captured something unique about my book, The Spirited Kitchen, um, and just touched me personally. I felt very well received. So Laura writes, Spaniola gets a little more personal here than she does on her podcast, The Numinous Podcast. I appreciate the chance to understand where she comes from. The honesty of laying it all out on the table, warts and all, is refreshing. I think so many witchy types turn to elements of witchcraft, paganism, and animism because they know they hold keys to deep emotional healing. Spaniola describes how a salvaged kale yard helped heal her soul and keep her little family alive. It's a dramatic and simple story at the same time. It is deeply relatable. Laura, I almost want to say I'm sorry that it's relatable because it's about like a really hard time in my life. And at the same time, thank you for letting me know that I'm not alone. So I really appreciate you writing that. Thank you also for listening. You know, it, it I don't know, it just feels like really kind of like surprisingly, um, flattering and I'm touched to be like oh wow you know this person actually is listening and can see that there is something different that's coming through the book that is more personal and vulnerable even though I feel like I totally bear myself on the podcast it, it the book does have stories I don't really talk about so thank you I appreciate that and to those listening right now who have some passing familiarity with the spirited kitchen please know your reviews really do mean a lot to me for so many reasons and if you haven't left one yet this right now would be a really good time because I have another book proposal kind of in the wind right now and it's looking for a place to land and reviews are encouraging for publishers because they're going to look and research what people think of my work and saying even a little is so much better than saying nothing at all. Um, it, it's totally possible that my book will land with my current publisher, um, but there's negotiation happening. And so, yeah, I just think it would be so great if <laughs> right now you just went to any bookseller or Goodreads and left some good stars, but especially left some good words for The Spirited Kitchen. If you do that, thank you. Thank you, thank you in advance. If you're loving all this talk of planetary magic and are eager to add plants into the conversation, consider joining us in the Numinous Network. Planetary magic and propitiation is our main theme in July, and in August we'll be working more closely with plants and their energies. Maybe I'll even get Meg back because she's so awesome. Find out more about the Numinous Network at CarmenSpaniola.com. C-A-R-M-E-N-S-P-A-G-N-O-L-A. Until next time, take care.